The Insulone Podcast is brought to you by Cybionics, an emerging CGM brand that focuses on simplifying how individuals aged 18 and above monitor and control their blood sugar levels. Upon becoming available on the market, the Cybionics GS1 CGM has helped users worldwide navigate the complexities of diabetes management with more confidence and peace of mind. Thanks to Cybionics, now more people are able to view and share their real-time glucose data, receive customizable glucose alarms, and generate full AGP reports, all directly from an intuitive Cybionics app, empowering them with the necessary information to make better decisions about their health. Cybionics combines data accuracy and comfort of wear, which is important to us all, with a feature-rich app. The 14-day scanning-free and calibration-free Cybionics GS1 CGM aims to deliver reliable, seamless diabetes management experiences. For more, check out CybionicsCGM.com. This is the Insulone Podcast, where I, Owen Costello, try to redefine diabetes. In this week's episode, and what I mean by nobody cares about your time and range is nobody specifically cares about the number. It's what that number means that's the important part. When I have a higher time and range, I have more energy, I can focus more, I'm happier, I have more time away from my diabetes. But before we get into that, everything you hear on the Insulon podcast is from my own personal experience. And if you have any worries or issues regarding your diabetes, please contact a medical professional. Now, let's get stuck into this episode. And we're back. We are back for another episode of the Insulon Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Delighted you're here every week. I know you tune in for what you want to hear. Graham, what do the folks at home want to hear? Well, according to one of, I don't know if your clients or your friends, they want to hear me being type 1 diabetic. That's what that's apparently you screenshot yesterday on your Instagram and tagged me in it. What was it? I can't. What did the person say? I can't wait for the episode where Graham comes out as type one diabetic. Yeah, so I was talking. <laughs> I was talking to one of my clients yesterday, and I think he was he was having a bit of a rest day, and he said, "Oh, it's a shame the Insulin Podcast only comes out once a week." And we were chatting about that, and then he said, "I can't wait for the day." And the episode that Graham is actually diagnosed with type 1. And I think it would be funny after all this time. You never know. You never know. You'd be well prepared. You never know. I'd be, as we've said before, the most well prepared first diagnosed person. (laughs) Unless obviously someone was diagnosing their partner or their brother or sister, which we've actually had on already. Was yeah. diagnosed and they had a thing, but um, for someone I don't think who's ever been a, I'd be the first co-host of a diabetic podcast to be diagnosed with diabetes, and you never know. My time, I'm 31 now. My time could come. My time could come. Before we get going, I'd like to get your opinion on something I bought while I was on holidays. I was in Costa Rica for the last two weeks, oh, here and we go. Here I we went. Go. I went down because we were going white water rafting, and I didn't have any flip flops because I, I wouldn't be a flip flop type of person. This as never was. We're, we're not a flip flop type of family. I believe you're either flip flop family or you're a runner's family and you wear your runners on holidays. And we're always a runners on holidays. Mm. And I needed them because I didn't want to destroy my run, runners in the white water rafting. So I went down to the shop 
and I went to pick up some flip-flops and I was in a rush and there was nothing in the shop. Is these rotten orange <laughs> and brown flip-flops and they were disgusting. And I would, you know, I'll take them. And as I was walking to the till, something caught my eye. I go, will I? Will I get them? Oh, you're building up the suspense here. Will I get them? Owen, this is what I collected. I'd like to get your opinion. I I knew that's what they were going to be. Owen, please describe what I I have in my hand. (laughs) Describe that, Owen. It is a beautiful black croc. (laughs) And I'm absolutely raging that I didn't say... I guarantee you got Crocs because I knew you got Crocs. And I can't believe you got Crocs because I was walking around in New York last week. Yeah. And since I've been in America, I've been like, you know what? I don't have flip-flops. I don't have even the slip-on sandals that I always wear up my socks when I'm at home. And I was walking around New York and I saw a massive big Croc store. And I was like, that's it. Just getting a pair of Crocs. Were you going to get one? I was going to get a pair, and, oh. but I didn't, I didn't in the end because I think I was in a rush to, to get a, a, a taxi or something. But loved them. Yeah. Loved them, Graham. What I, I like to wear, I've never, worn, I've never worn a pair. I used to hate them. I thought the most hideous things I've ever seen in my life. But let me tell you, wearing them on, they are unbelievably comfortable because really? yeah, you're, wa- you're just walking on rubber or foam that's how you're walking on foam and I wanted to get some house shoes because um, in the new apartment and I was going to get slippers something like that these I was walking around in my Crocs they're now my new house shoes they are unbelievably comfortable I'm wearing them now just in my feet but with socks as well I, and they've become stylish I think, I think Post Malone <laughs> started wearing them maybe two years ago and they were really stylish and now you see everyone wearing them. Now, these aren't obviously... Say, they Croc wouldn't Crocs. really be winning any awards for style, but they may People be winning awards them. for comfort. I'm telling you, <laughs> I'm a convert, and to any other um, croc wearers, I'm telling you, I'm with you now. I'm with you. You know what? Owen, Owen's going to be with us soon. This time next week, next week's podcast, I'm going to be recording wearing a pair of Crocs. Yes, that's, that's what I like to hear. That's a promise. And also, what we're going to do after this episode is we're going to get in touch with Crocs. Yeah. And they're going to be the first sponsor for the podcast. Sponsors. Because, look, we've basically just given them an ad anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm, I'm delighted to see that you got a pair. And I'm delighted to, to hear that they're so comfortable. So nice. Unbelievable. So this has now been about five minutes talking about Crocs. Well, I was going to talk about my bowels on holiday one, but I'll spare you that. I said I'd go across. <laughs> Give us a brief space. overview. A brief overview. It's really. Do you really want it? Do you <laughs> just, really want to hear? Your your bowel issues have been an ongoing theme of this podcast. So yeah. Give me a, a 30 second summary. Okay, so I was on a 10-day holiday. On about day six, I um, needed to go to the toilet rather quickly. And um, the contents of the toilet, every time I went, started to get uh, more fluidy. Is that, <laughs> is that the correct terminology the, without trying to make people turn off the podcast? Then I, because we were traveling around Costa Rica, I was really worried that I was going to be caught short while on one of the taxis or one of the buses that we were on. Mm. So I started to uh, stockpile anti-diarrhea tablets. 
So three days of diarrhea. And then on day four, I'd taken so much anti-diarrhea tablets, they finally kicked in to which I had constipation then for the next 24 hours, which is probably the most uncomfortable part of the whole thing because you think you need to go and you actually can't go. And now we're about a week out since I first got it and I just had my first proper meal last night. I don't know what caused it. I don't know if it was water. I don't know if it was food. I don't know if it was ice cubes. I don't know if it was bloody animal droppings. Could have been anything. And there you have it. There you have it. That's. Please, I'm comfortable in my Crocs. That's that's the summary. That's the summary that we needed. That's the main right, thing. Moving swiftly on. Yeah. Let's see. Will there be more percentage talk about Crocs in my bowels, or more percentage talk about diabetes? What do you have for us this week, Owen? We'll have about. A 90% unsubscribe rate (laughs) after this episode. Anyway, look, let's get on to the topic. Let's get on to diabetes. That's what everybody's here for. That's what I'm here for. And Graham, ultimately, that's what you are here for. Yes. So this is an episode that basically I want to just kind of go off the bat. And I love doing episodes like this every now and then where essentially there's no preparation to it. But I just hopefully we'll go off on one Mm. because obviously as i'm sure you've gathered up to this point i am incredibly passionate about diabetes management and therefore i feel as if i could quite literally speak about it for days on end so i was thinking about it this morning i know i just said (laughs) i'm just contradicting myself saying that i didn't prepare but i was out on a walk this morning and i was just thinking about it And it stemmed from a number of conversations I had with different people over the past couple of weeks. And all of these people are living with type 1 diabetes and they all have had different experiences over varied amounts of years. Some good experiences, some bad experiences. And we had very honest conversations about how they feel physically, emotionally and mentally around their diabetes and as we know as Graham you know just as much as me now at this stage and everybody else listening diabetes is just as much emotional and mental as it is physical that's just a fact and when I was having these conversations I was thinking you realize the harsh reality of it sometimes what can happen over time if we don't take action on the things that we need to do each day And look, I don't need to go into details about that. Everybody listening knows about those things. But I 100% am convinced. And I feel so passionately about this. There is nobody living with type 1 diabetes that I believe cannot get what they want from their diabetes. Now, what we want from our diabetes can be completely different because we're all different people. We're all from different places. We all think different ways. We have different commitments, lifestyles, habits, routines, families, whatever it might be. But specifically anybody listening to this podcast, do not ever convince yourself that you can't manage your diabetes. Just don't do that. Because... I absolutely guarantee you that you can. But what you need to do is you need to identify what managing your diabetes actually is to you. Because 
different types of people will be content with different styles of management or levels of management or A1C or time and range or whatever it might be. So you need to ask yourself, what do you actually want from your diabetes? And I know it's a strange question to to consider, but I'm sure you've probably thought about it already because you're listening to a diabetic podcast right now. So that proves that you're interested in learning about it. You're interested in hearing different experiences about it. You're curious to know how other people live with it. But you need to ask yourself, what do you want from your diabetes? Do you want to consistently be at a certain time and range? Do you want to consistently have a specific number as your A1C? Do you want to feel comfortable and confident long-term that you are going to avoid any sort of complications? Do you want to feel healthy and happy each day? Decide what you want. And then what I always say to my clients is, and what I say to myself is, when you actually identify what you want, or you decide what you think you might want from your diabetes, then you have the ability to see, right, what's required of me to get there. And what I mean by that is, if I say to myself, right, last week, my time and range, which is obviously for anybody who might not know, your time and target range is your blood sugar staying within a certain range, high or low. Now, if I say to myself, last week, my time and range was 20%. My opinion of that 20% time and range may be different to somebody else's opinion. That's perfectly fine. But from my experience and my perspective and my own diabetes, I know that if I have a week of 20% time and range, I'm going to feel pretty bad physically and mentally. So I already know that I don't want that to happen. So I need to say, right, what did I do or not do last week? What did I do or not do that potentially led to that 20% time and range? And how can I adjust it? How can I change it? What other decisions can I make so that moving forward, I don't experience that again? And I don't need to go into detail about how differently you can feel on a day or a week where your time and range is 90% compared to a a day where your time is 20%. I know I'm tired. I'm fatigued. I have no energy. I can't focus. I have trouble concentrating. I feel as if time is taken away from the things that I want to do because I'm concentrating too much on my bloods. I personally don't want that. And I'm sure anybody listening here doesn't want that either. So I need to say, right, what do I want and what do I expect from my blood sugar? And if I say to myself, right, ideally, I would love to be 100% time and range all the time, but that's not going to happen. I want everybody to realize that just because you have been a certain way for a year, two years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, with your diabetes management. Don't convince yourself that tomorrow can't be completely different. And what I always say is, and what I will continue to say, 
over and over and over and over again is your blood sugar, the almost the beauty and the curse of it is the fact that today could be your highest time and range ever. Tomorrow could be your lowest. Or today could be your lowest time and range. You could feel like shite, excuse my language. And then tomorrow could be your best day ever. Your blood sugar will react almost instantly to the things that you do and things that you don't do. Now, I'm fully aware of the fact that there are obviously things that can impact our blood sugar completely out of our control. That's perfectly fine. That's expected. But so much of what we do, I'm banging on the table, so much of what we do and how we manage our diabetes is in our control. That's a fact. The things we can control, the food we eat, the exercise we do or don't do, the sleep that we do or don't get, the insulin that we take, the insulin that we don't take, the water that we drink or the water that we don't drink. These are all decisions for us to make. And I'm not saying that you should always expect 100% time and range. I'm not saying that at all because it's unrealistic to believe that. But I want everyone to realize you are absolutely able to get what you want from your diabetes. I've no doubt in my mind whatsoever. You may be listening to this. You may have never spoken to me personally. I may have never spoken to you personally, obviously. But I already know for a fact you can get what you want from your diabetes. You need to audit what you do and what you don't do. And that needs to come from what do I want? What do I want from my blood sugar? And what I always say to myself and I go back to that quote and I think I've said it here before, it's like I can't be annoyed about results I didn't get from work I didn't do. And I relate, I constantly relate that to my own diabetes management. I can't be annoyed at the fact that my blood sugar spikes when I eat food if I didn't carb count or I didn't pre-bolus. Like, I'm, chances are I'm going to spike. So how can I give myself permission to be pissed off if I don't do what's required of me to keep my blood sugar where I want them? That doesn't make any sense to me. I kind of like have this constant battle where I'm really hard on myself. But then also realizing, well, things are never going to be perfect. And that's another thing that I say all the time. It's like in an ideal world, yeah, my blood sugar management would be perfect all the time. But that's just not going to happen. But the next best thing is when it's not perfect, how am I responding to that? Am I getting pissed off? Am I getting annoyed? Am I thinking, you know what? Not even going to bother for the rest of the day. Or am I saying, right, what happened? Why am I much higher today? Or why am I much higher this week or lower this week? Or why is my A1C gone up or time and range gone down? Because, and something a client actually said to me, that's always stuck with me. She said, there's no such thing as good or bad blood sugar. It's all just information. 
but it's our responsibility to take something and learn something from that information. And what's important to always remember is, and I need to remind myself of this sometimes too, it's like, just because you try really hard also doesn't mean that things are going to go the way you want them. And that's part of living your life with type 1 diabetes too. You could carb count every meal. You could drink your water every day. You could get your steps in. You could work out. You could sleep eight hours. You could calculate your insulin correctly. Still might not go your way. And that is the test for you to say, are you going to get pissed off or are you going to learn from it? And there's a, there's a Samuel, I, I sound like a poet now after this. There's a Samuel Beckett quote that sticks with me. And like most things in my life, I will relate them <laughs> to, to my diabetes management. And the quote is, uh, what is it? Ever tried, ever failed, no matter, try again, fail again, fail better. Wow. And that's just, for me, that's diabetes in a nutshell. Because give, give it to us again. Ever tried, ever failed, no matter, try again, fail again, fail better. That's, di- that's diabetes in a nutshell. Yeah. My English teacher was listening to me now. She'd be so proud. <laughs> and my mother is probably listening to this episode thinking, how in God's name does Owen know Samuel Becker quote? It's better than the nonsensical Shakespeare quotes I still have ingrained <laughs> yeah. in my brain for no yeah. apparent reason. <laughs> But that that always sticks with me because, as I said, it's diabetes management in a nutshell. Because it's just constant. It's just a grueling daily task of just trying something, seeing if it works. If it doesn't, what can you try differently tomorrow? Or if it does, try and do the same thing tomorrow. Can I ask you, um, what do you want from your diabetes and has that want changed over the years? Yes. What I want from my diabetes now personally is time away from it in the sense that I want my management so habitual that I don't really even need to think about it, which I'm pretty confident I'm at that point to a certain extent. Because there's always highs and lows. Not Well, there's not always highs and lows, but there always will be highs and lows. So it never will be fully automatic. Because like I've touched on plenty of times before, I feel as if living my life with type 1 diabetes, I have like my regular consciousness and then my diabetic consciousness. And they're constantly in balance with each other. Even when I'm recording this podcast, I'm like, well... I'm talking on the podcast, I'm talking to Graham, talking to whoever's listening, but also in my head, I'm thinking, right, what are my blood sugars at? And are they going high? Are they going low? This is just part of my, my headspace now. That just for me had developed over time because as we all know, diabetes is a constant thing to live with. Mm. So what were the questions you asked? <laughs> Question was, what do you want from your diabetes? So that was what you want now. Mm. But has 
that want changed over the years? You said it has. Um, let's take us back to maybe even three or four years ago. Even. Well, what I want, what I wanted from my diabetes initially was to be confident with how to live with it in term, not in terms of how other people see me more so how I manage it day to day, my confidence in terms of my insulin dose, my food, my training, everything. I want that confidence so that I know how to manage it essentially. My other want at that time was to be able to still do the things that I want to do physically, socially, whatever, which I'm able to do. I run, I train, I work, I go out, I see friends, I drink, live a completely normal life. (laughs) All right. So that was kind of the priority. The priority now is consistency. And I know that the priority is consistency because I want to make sure I stay as healthy and happy as I can long term. And I, th- I think that kind of almost echoes the conversation we were having prior to press and record here about how you can change your perspective on things or your priorities, obviously, as you get older. We're not old just yet, but we're old in comparison to what we were 10 years ago, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So my priority is just consistency and what i've touched on before is it's easy for us to become overwhelmed with the long-term gravity of your life with diabetes and it's like well what do i do when i'm old and i can't potentially look after myself or i can't carb count or take my insulin or whatever or what do i do if x happens or how am I supposed to live with this thing for the next 15 years? You know, all these things that can go through your head. I just completely strip that away. And I just look at today. Because the only thing that I have control over essentially is right now today. So I, I almost say to, to strip, strip back the overwhelm of it, I just take it quite literally day by day meal by meal, run by run, gym session by gym session. And I know that when I'm consistent with those things and I fit my diabetes into how I want to live rather than fitting how I live into my diabetes management, I know that I can be consistent and I can enjoy being consistent. And that consistency inevitably leads to healthy long-term. What was the other question you asked? That was it. That was it. What do you want from your diabetes right now? And has your want changed over the years? And I think, yeah, it did. And also, how my, sorry to interrupt you. Oh, go, go on. How my other want relating to diabetes is, I want everybody to get what they want from their diabetes. And that's why I have diabetes so involved in my life professionally. Because I work with clients, I do the podcast, Instagram, whatever. It's just completely centered around diabetes management. Because as I've said earlier in the podcast, 
I'm incredibly passionate about it. I know what it's like when you're struggling physically, mentally, emotionally, whatever it might be. But I also know that I am convinced whoever you are, wherever you are, what you're doing, even the way you might be thinking right now around your diabetes, you can get what you want from it. I really, really believe that. And I really believe that even from a personal standpoint, because I've seen it over and over and over and over again with people. Even people I've worked with, it's like start with 20% time and range and then they're comfortably hitting 80, 90% time and range. And it's like, again, from my own perspective, it's almost like there are different levels and different stages in terms of what's required. And I can guarantee you, if I was to live my life consistently 90% time and range compared to living my life consistently 20% time and range. Those two Owens are doing very different things. And those different things that I might be doing will always come down to essentially daily decisions that I make. Now, I'm not saying in any way that there's any judgment towards somebody who is 20% time and range or 10% or 0%. It's not what I'm saying at all. The point that I'm trying to make is there are things in our control, there are things out of our control. But when we know the things that are in our control and, and when we take action on those things, I guarantee you, you'll see the benefits almost instantly. And to give an example of what those things could be, drink more water, get more sleep, look at the food that you're eating, know what's in the food that you're eating, move more, do something to relieve your stress. All these boring things that we're almost told about all the time. And what my clients are probably sick of me saying, and I don't really care because they continue <laughs> listening to, listen to me say it, is your diabetes will always come down to seemingly boring, irrelevant tasks and decisions that come together for the big result. Always. There's no one thing that will make your management or bring your management where you want it. It's always the little things that add up. To give an example, if I was to drink three liters of water a day, but not look at the food I eat, not exercise, not pre-bolus, not sleep well, that water doesn't really help that much. If I was just to carb count, but not drink water, not sleep, not exercise, not move. Doesn't really help that much. Or if I was just to pre-bolus and eat whatever the hell I want at whatever time, I'm dehydrated, I don't exercise, that pre-bolus doesn't really 
make a difference. But if I drink water, I carb count, I understand what's in my food, and I pre-bolus, those things come together to give you a pretty big result. And that result isn't just your time and range getting higher so you can give yourself a pat on the back. Nobody cares about your time and range. And what I mean by nobody cares about your time and range is nobody specifically cares about the number. It's what that number means that's the important part. Because I know that when I have a higher time and range, I have more energy, I can focus more, I'm happier, I have more time away from my diabetes, I can perform better physically, you're healthier. And I know that if I do that consistently, my A1C will be where I want it to be and I'll be healthier. I like that bit. It's kind of the more you look after your diabetes, the more time you will get away from your diabetes. 100%. Yeah. And that's, that's something that we can often forget. Now, again, look, this is always just from my own perspective, right? Somebody might be listening to this being like, what the hell are you talking about? That's perfectly fine. You're entitled to believe that or think that. But this is from my perspective. If my bloods aren't where I want them, or if they're constantly high or constantly low or fluctuating high and low, that's more physical and mental energy for me to try to get back on track. So I'm worrying about that more. So I can't actually concentrate on the things that I want. If I go to the gym, I'm thinking, oh, my bloods are dropping, my bloods are really high. Are they dropping or are they high? I can't focus on what I want to focus on then. If I'm not confident and comfortable with where my bloods are. So getting that time back away from your diabetes, in my opinion, is vital. Yeah, I think that's a nice way to wrap it up there. The more time you look after your diabetes, the less time you actually spend with your diabetes. I think is a really, really good point to take from that one on. Thank you very much for that. I think we kind of went in not knowing what the title is, but I think what do you want from your diabetes is a pretty good title for this week's episode. Absolutely. If you haven't asked yourself that question before, turn off the podcast, well, when it ends, and after you share it, Go back to number one and go through them all again. (laughs) Yeah. And ask yourself, what do you want from your diabetes? That could be anything because it's unique to you. But as always, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed my brain spilling. That was an in-depth look into how my brain works sometimes and mostly early, early morning because... I usually like to get out for a walk first thing in the morning. No phone, no electronics, just walk, just your headspace where you can ask ask yourself questions like these, which I think is an important part of not just diabetes, but you living your life in general, because oftentimes you don't really get much time with yourself, do you? Imagine how comfortable that walk is going to be next week in Crocs. I cannot wait. Think of the epiphanies you'll have then. I wonder. I wonder will I think differently no, you with my souls. Do. Souls and souls being more comfortable. I'm a different person. A different person with these. I'm what right colour? Are they black or navy? Black. I just went plain black just to start mm. with, just to kind of get myself into the the world of Crocs. But I'm thinking will I get blue? I, I honestly was thinking blue as well. Mm. I think a blue could be cool. Like if you're going to go for it, you might as well go full hog. 
I'm gonna do I do socks? I wouldn't mind getting Crocs socks to wear with the Crocs. Well, if they don't, they should. I think mm. I have seen Crocs. I think I have. You've seen the like the little crocodile logo on okay. the white sock. Yeah. That's going to be the photo for the podcast release next week. (laughs) (laughs) And if anybody's listening and you have any connections to anyone in Crocs or you are the CEO of Crocs, I don't really know who listens to this podcast. Sponsor the podcast. I think after this episode, it's quite clear that me and Graham are passionate about diabetes and Crocs. There you go. (laughs) Right. As always, greatly appreciate your time. Greatly appreciate your ears. Hope you're able to get some value from that. If you are, let us know. Rate it, comment, share. Really, really helps the podcast. If you agree with anything or even disagree with anything, let me know. That opens a conversation which is always going to be valuable to everybody else listening. So, have a good week. Have a good day. Look after your blood sugars. Chat to you soon. Take it easy, Graham. Bye. Take care.